This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope your week is starting off well. Oh, man. Strange times. Strange times. But we're getting through it. We're getting through it. Um, <laughs> All the... I was happy when I saw, I think it was last week at the beginning of the week. I can't remember when I saw the FDA full support for, uh, at least it was the Pfizer vaccine. I haven't really been tracking it as much because for me, it's the same. Get vaccinated, saves lives. You know what I mean? End of story. So watching all the um, the battles at the school districts, really disheartening. Children are, you know, getting affected and impacted by their parents' politics. Um Man, we got a lot of work to do around that. Um, also, this was interesting. So the New York Times, I, I flagged this to remind myself to come back and talk about it. The New York Times posted an article and the headline was, ready for this one? This hurts my heart. My roommates have been listening to my therapy sessions. Is that okay? Oh, so many things wrong with that. Where? What happened to just boundaries? What happened to kindness? You know what I mean? Um, no, that's not okay. That's a complete violation of someone's privacy. Just like going through someone's phone or going through someone's things. It's, it's a form of emotional abuse. It's, a, it's, a, it's an act of violence emotionally. Um, you know, we tend to only think about abuse or violence in terms of the physicality, but at times, and, and a lot of people can actually relate to this, what's more painful is emotional violence. And that's, that's based on experiential, relational betrayals, right? And those run deep. And those have been very normalized in our culture where these days people just kind of nod along when they find out someone went through someone's stuff or they snooped or you left your diary out. Dear God, let's not make that normal. Let's learn some impulse control. You know what I mean? That's none of your business. Someone's private thoughts are none of your business. I've said this before. Even if you're married, you still get to have boundaries and privacy. No one has a right to have access to parts of you that you haven't consented to. So it's a consent issue. It's a mental health issue and it's a boundary issue. It's very disrespectful. And let's not make that normal. When someone violates your, your boundaries, before you even get into what it is they might've found, you have a right to say, stop, we're addressing that first. That was abusive. I did not consent to that. If that happens again, we're going to have a larger problem. That's a deal breaker in a relationship of any kind. Roommates, friends, marriage. You do not have a right to access parts of me without my knowledge and permission. And I, I remember sharing that at a treatment center. I used to run groups at a treatment center. And some people in older generations were shocked by that. They were even more familiar with boundarylessness. You know what I mean? I think I have a right to all my partner's thoughts and feelings. No, you don't. It's not even possible. It's not even possible. But... 
No, your roommate should not be listening to your therapy. Neither should your partner or loved ones. If, you, if you're living in a home with someone and they're doing teletherapy, which is the way most of us are only offering it, I'm not getting into an enclosed space with anyone anytime soon, right? Everything's happening online. Um, and you can hear them, leave. Go turn on the television, put on earphones, let them know afterwards, figure out a schedule. Like if, you're a, if your roommate or loved one needs therapy, take your butt for a walk. My God, go out for 45 to 50 minutes, go for a walk. It's okay to put yourself out for them. They can't do therapy walking down the loud street or in a coffee shop, they can't, there's no privacy. You, however, can go sit on the stoop, go out in the backyard, turn up the TV, put on earphones, Go shopping. It's once a week for an hour. It's called kindness. Let's be better. This kind of stuff really is upsetting to me because it's a violation of their privacy, but it's also just a larger sense of like people aren't being kind. And we need to get outside this mindset of I'm only responsible for myself. No, you're responsible for everyone you come in contact with. You're not allowed to just walk down the street and throw you know your gum in someone's hair or shout at someone. So we do understand boundaries and respect. This is another version of that, you know? So this is wild to me um, because again, you don't know what someone's disclosing. You don't know how safe it is to make these disclosures. And before we bring certain things to other people, if even at all, we have to first find our own confidence and clarity within it and around it. You know what I mean? So, wow, that one was really upsetting. Um, because I'm imagining a lot of different people right now at home doing therapy. And I've, I've, I've had other clients share with me that they found out that um, a loved one in their life had also been listening. And I work with a multitude of clients who have had partners going through their phones. And I tell them, you let your partner know that that actually falls under a deal breaker, that se severely erodes at trust, that it's an act of emotional and psychological abuse and that if it happens again, the relationship ends. That's a big deal. Because again, if your partner, and I'm talking, I'm pulling us out of that example and saying in general, if your partner's not someone you can trust, you need to leave the relationship. Don't be in relationships with people you can't trust. And then the inverse, if it's that they are worthy of trust, but you don't trust them, then that's your work. Do that work. Work on being better. Um, Cause this stuff is like wild. All right, y'all, we're gonna take a break. <laughs> I'm gonna pause on that one. When we come back, we're gonna talk about some key points uh, to help us make our relationship stronger. We're doing a lot, of, a lot of relational work, coming back to that. So stick around and join us. And then of course, we'll be uh, gliding into those DMs, courtesy of Astroglide. So if you got a question for us, as always, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, give us a follow back. And past episodes, as always, they're living over at wearechannelq.com, y'all. So stick around and join us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, we are back. And I'm able to share with you all some uh, key touchstones that it's kind of been on repeat in my office this week, sharing this with individuals. Um, what are the cornerstones of really healthy, safe, securely attached relationships? If you've been following me on my social media, at Dr. Donahue on my Instagram and at Chris Donahue on my Twitter and uh, my Facebook page, I've been posting a lot more about that. Attachment theory is a really beautiful theory that helps us better understand our interpersonal neurobiological needs. They're innate. Um, we do need relationships, right? We've talked about this on the show before. That's what keeps us healthy. And when you're in a truly healthy, attached relationship, what we call a securely attached relationship, you impact each other powerfully. Everything you say and do shapes your partner's mental health. Uh, being in a securely attached relationship, we uh, impact each other's hormone levels, blood pressure, heart rate, breathing. Oh yeah, relationships are like a little vitamin. When they're healthy, and they give us a lot of the nourishment we need, right? Pleasure and joy as well. Or it becomes something toxic that we've ingested because we actually do ingest the person. Our brains are social organs. So is our nervous system. Connected but only separated by skin. We form when we're in a healthy relationship. We securely attach. And the key terms are consistency, availability, reliability, and responsiveness. That's what we should create and that's what we should seek. And that's what we need for that system to run in the healthy way it's meant to run. We are meant to, as adults and children, but a lot of times we think this is only for children, but as adults as well, we are meant to feel off when we have a real or perceived injury or separation from our primary attachment figure. As adults, we have that. We have a primary attachment figure and that tends to be the person you're in a romantic relationship with. So when they're not available or responsive or consistent or reliable, we are supposed to have a dis-ease in our body. And then we, step, we either resolve that, right, lovingly and calmly, or we start enacting what we call protest behaviors, which even though it might be acts of anger or attack, it's actually driven by and embedded in it is an attempt to reconnect from that primary figure that we felt as though we literally or symbolically have lost. That's why if you're texting a person you're in a relationship with and they don't get back to you for a while, longer than is normal for them, you start to have a little bit of a, whoa, wow, that feels weird. I wonder where they are. That feeling is a healthy feeling that your attachment figure is gone. Now, us securely attached, healthy adults will say things like, oh, well, maybe their work day just got a little busy and we soothe ourselves with a little reality, we move on. But other people, they kind of spin out of control. And so that's when we become, you know, we gotta do our work. For people that are securely attached and are with someone in a securely attached relationship, they'll weather it, you know, they'll manage. But due to our trauma histories 
even as far as the last relationship we were in, that built into us insecurity, right? If they haven't been secure, if they haven't been reliable and consistent and available and responsive, we start to develop what we call an insecure attachment style because our relational history from parents onward has reinforced, yeah, people aren't available, you can't trust them. Now the downside is, if we've dated healthy, secure, attached people, we've never had to experience that. And so we don't expect that. And so we don't panic because they've always been there. And even if we didn't hear from them in a comfortable amount of time, they did show up and all was well. And so we believe that, we trust that, we expect that. But if you're constantly in relationship relationships with people that aren't reliable, parental and otherwise, well then it's understandable that you assume the worst because in the past the worst has been true. And so you start to panic. But a lot of times, instead of being vulnerable and soft and getting our needs met, our protest behaviors, what we do when we panic, actually create the reality we're afraid of, where we do start to lose them, even more symbolically, because they fight back, because we attacked. Or we were right, we were losing them and they're gone, and that's reinforced. So what is all that to say? Well, all that's to say is, try to only date healthy, consistent, reliable, available people so as to not only have that in your life, but to heal the damage of having not had that. We wanna find secure people. And that's why a lot of this work is not, do I wanna be with them or not? But it's going deeper and saying, are they available or interested in a truly healthy, secure relationship? And if not, then I won't get my needs met. And I will always feel insecure in terms of attachment. I always feel a little anxious. I won't be able to trust. If you date healthy people, they'll, they'll be very present. They'll be responsive, available, consistent, reliable, and it'll help heal that. And you'll start to depend on that and expect that and count on that. So the partner choice when we're dating matters. It's gonna heal us or keep us in a constant state of trigger, right? If we're already in a relationship, the question is, can we both work on creating and, 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 and having and maintaining a secure style by working on being more available, being more consistent, being more reliable, being more responsive? Those are the key terms. We talked about this on a prior show, how when we don't feel like we have that, Instead of saying, hey, can we work on that? And as a team deciding to, or realizing my partner doesn't want to do that, can't do that, or isn't interested in that and exiting, we stay, make each other miserable, and often try to move around structural stuff. Well, I'll just go through their phones. I'll just have a baby. We'll make sure we get married. We'll move in together. All these structural things to make you feel like we're okay and we're really committed. But none of those things matter because what matters is the quality of the experience with them. The factors I just listed over and over earlier. That's what you have to keep coming back to working on and realizing as hard as it is as an adult, if that's not possible, or if they're not open to doing that. If your very avoidant partner says, I'm okay with my avoidant nature, whether it's by choice or trauma, I'm okay with that I don't wanna work on it, well then you will always have a very insecure relationship. But if your partner says, hey, I know that I can be avoidant or I know that I can be very anxious, but I wanna work on that and I will work on that, then you stay and you both grow together. But you have to make sure you're bringing that in and to make sure you're assessing for that. Not every relationship has that because of people's trauma or not everyone's interested in that kind of really deep committed relationship. They want something more casual. Well then, if you want something more secure and attached, you have to go out and find that. Because it's not enough to just say we have a lot in common or I'm attracted to them. These deeper pieces matter. We're gonna take a little break. We'll come back, we'll keep talking about it more. So um, stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back, and I just kind of gave you a little bit of a crash course in attachment theory. Basically, again, just saying that these needs we have as children, where we need to have a secure relationship with a primary figure, we need that as adults as well. We do not do as well, mental health-wise, 
or, or physically when we're on our own. There's so much research behind all of this. Um, go do some of it. But basically, it's looking at how our physical and mental health are relationally dependent. We love thinking that the work of adult is separation and independence. Not only is that not literally possible, because we're always dependent upon and, and, and working with others, but um, it's not healthy. And so we are supposed to feel off when our primary attachment figure is unavailable or, or disappeared. But a lot of times it's just circumstantial, contextual. We need to remind ourselves that. All's well, or realize, right, that this person has maybe an insecure attachment style. They're very anxious or they're avoidant. And we learn how to work with that. We learn how to grow or we realize that neither one of us are really gonna heal and overcome this. And this is the kind of relationship I can't stay mirrored in. So that's why I talk a lot on the show about what are the factors you wanna be building and expecting and looking for so as to assess what's possible with you and this other person. And sometimes again, the success of a relationship is realizing our nervous systems don't get along. I will always be anxious and leaning in and, and trying to get more closeness because I'm anxious and you will always be avoidant and leaning out the more I lean in. And when I'm trying to connect, you're gonna call that clinging, right? And when you try to take space, I'm gonna call that avoidant and we're just not a good match in terms of attachment. And sometimes that's the case. Again, a healthy relationship is one where you're both secure, like the one I'm in. We want the same level of closeness and, 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 and availability and presence. We're both always available, we're both very reliable, we're both very consistent, and we're both very responsive. If I'm ever having a hard day or need something, I get an immediate response. I don't mean immediate as in they're tethered to their phone and they have five seconds, but I mean they show up when they can and they're fully present when they show up. They never make me feel bad for having needs. They never make me feel bad for needing anything. They never call me clingy. They say, yeah, I'm your partner. Of course you're gonna be dependent upon me and come to me to get certain needs met. Of course, I'm happy to provide that. I want that from you as well. Bam, secure attachment. We're both on the same page. But if every time I said, hey, I had a hard day, are you available to talk it out? I was told you're being too needy or clingy. Well, that's someone who's very avoidant and isn't wanting the same level of closeness and, and, and intimacy that I want. And my work would be to either find space and comfort in some of that or to realize this person isn't looking for a truly secure attached relationship. Let's talk about some more qualities. Full presence. That's the most important thing. We talk about this on the show all the time. Shared experiences. And this applies to all relationships, right? A solid friendship is someone who's present. When you're engaging them, they're with you. They're there. Not just physically, but emotionally. Shared experiences, right? Regularly connect. There's something, again, about consistency and reliability. Of course, we all have those friendships or relationships where we understandably let time go by. And when we reconnect, it's just like time didn't go by. Okay, that's fair. But the people that you're trying to build a primary relationship with, that's not going to work, especially when we're talking about relational romantic styles. Now, this isn't to say, this is not a commentary on monogamy versus non-monogamy because you can have multiple attachment figures, right? You can be in, in multiple healthy, ongoing polyamorous relationships 100%. And, and open styles where you have one primary, but you're open and you're able to have just like some more casual relationships with others, well then it doesn't matter because those other relationships are casual and you just had that one primary. You can have one primary, multiple primaries, but the key point is you both have to be on the same page with it being something primary and being able to rely upon those healthy needs of consistency, reliability, and responsiveness from that person because if not, you have to find someone else to get that from. We need to feel like we're in this with someone else and when I say this, I mean life. Because remember, isolation and separation is very toxic. It's one of the most toxic psychological things to happen to a human. 
We don't thrive that way. We're born in relationship. We're always in relationship, right? And also remember that, that the people we spend time around determine our self-worth. Our self-worth is a relational thing. It's reflected back to us. We aren't born with any opinion about ourselves or anything. We are trained to see our worth and value individually with our parents, but then also culturally. If you're, if you're a person of color born in a white supremacist world, well, not having worth and value or desirability is going to impact you. If you're someone who's gay, born in our heterocentric world, it's changing, but there's going to be an attachment injury in that, that as you look out in the wider world, you don't see yourself represented. or you don't see yourself spoken about as having worth and value because of your gay identity. That's going to also impact all of this. So that's why I'm always talking about like, we have to think about ourselves and all the different relationships we're in, our relationships to people, but then our relationship to the social media we surround ourselves with, and then the relationship we have to our larger community and culture, like those are relationships, even though they're relationships with systems or institutions, those matter for our self-worth and our attachment and our self-esteem, 100%. Because again, remember when they say like, if you can't love yourself, how can you love somebody else? That's not true. You can, we are shown, we, we learn to love ourselves by being shown love from others. We do both, right? And so if you're not loving yourself, it means you need more relationality. You need to be around more people that can help you see your worth and value so you can internalize that. We internalize that. Like I said, we're not born with self-esteem. It's inter we internalize it. We're given it by our caregivers or we're not given it by our caregivers. And then we go out into the world and the world instills it in us more and reinforces it or robs it more. Gotta take a break. Gonna glide into those DMs, and then we're gonna come back. We're gonna continue this. So um, stick around, y'all. You listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all. We are back, and now it's time to glide into those DMs, courtesy of Astroglide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, "Hey, Dr. Chris, do you think that you can trauma bond as friends?" When do you know that a friendship has run its course? Oh, I love those dual questions. First off, trauma bond is when we are bonded to someone via a trauma that they essentially inflict on us. I think people misunderstand that word. People somehow translated trauma bonding, which is a clinical term, into when you bond with another person over your associated traumas or similar traumas or just separate traumas, such as, you know, you and two friends having a deep conversation, you're talking about your trauma, they're talking about theirs and you've bonded over it. That is not a trauma bond. That is just you've bonded over discussing your traumas. A trauma bond is usually what happens, not usually what happens, it's what can happen in a an abusive, violent relationship where the person who's the perpetrator of the harm or violence, you've created a bond with them, even though that has occurred, sometimes because that has occurred for a multitude of reasons, because they're your caregiver. And as a child, you have no choice but to find a way to still connect and stay connected to your primary caregiver. It's a very confusing, disorganizing process. Or as an adult, there's a multitude of other reasons why maybe we still stay close and connected or bond. And we've talked about that, um, and we'll talk about it again this week, the cycle of abuse right where after they abuse and harm they then drop back in and they love bomb you which is they over the top promise commit apologize give you gifts do all these doting loving things and that's the trap that's the hook right you're like oh my god but it's so good and that helps you ignore when it's so bad because it's so good and so that's really what trauma bonding is so can a friendship involve that of course, if you're in an abusive, toxic friendship where the person is constantly perpetrating harm or you 
are perpetrating harm, but yet there's a close connection that's maintained by some mechanism, that could be a trauma bond. It's not a healthy dynamic. We don't want this to happen because it doesn't allow us to leave or allow the other person to leave. And that's why I keep coming back to in healthy relationships of whatever kind, parent-child, adult-adult, we are aware of the impact we have on other people and we only allow our presence in someone's life to be positive and enhancing. And we only allow the people that we bring into our lives or to stay in our life, they have to have a positive or at least neutral impact as well. Um, so yes, trauma bonds can occur within friendships. And then your other question, when do you know that a friendship has run its course? Well, I would say when the friendship no longer has positive elements, when it no longer feels good, when you think it negatively impacts you or them, when there's nothing left that feels compatible or safe, when we feel like we're walking on eggshells, but more importantly, the before, during, and after. How do you feel at the thought of spending time with this person? How do you feel before you spend time with them when you see them texting, you know, you see their name come in as having sent a text or you see that they're calling you? How do you feel? I want you to feel good. <laughs> and if you don't, we need to look at that. How do you feel during? Because again, before, during, after. How do you feel during? How do you feel while you are hanging out with them or on the phone with them or texting with them? And then how do you feel after when you've gotten off the phone or you've spent time with them? If you're always feeling bad and not wanting to see them, you're feeling bad while with them, you're feeling bad after having been with them, the first thing is like, what's that about? Is there work we can do? Do I need to bring it up and work through something? But if they're not open to that or it's not about that, it's just we aren't really a good match, well, then it's time to go. You know, not all friendships or relationships are meant to be forever. And the healthy part of being an adult is recognizing when they've run their course or when they're bad for us, or even more than that is when you're bad for someone. That's really an important part of being someone's partner of any kind is what kind of impact am I having on other people? Make it so that people are only made better from having your presence, especially dating. My God, if you are making someone's life harder and you're constantly upsetting them, you need to go heal, go do some self-reflection. Do some work on yourself, get into some therapy, but we don't just roll with it. There's a lot of couples that come into my office and I have to say to them, wow, we got a lot of work to do. It's individual therapy essentially first because this isn't safe or there's violence or there's harm, right? Couples therapy and relational therapy is for couples that are safe and healthy, but just have conflict or communication to work through. But if there's violence, harm or abuse, it is not safe to do couples therapy and we don't recommend it. We don't offer it. We actually say it's individual work. Put this relationship on pause. We don't harm people. We don't support that, right? And do some healing. Great question. All questions uh, come from the DMs on our Loveland IG page. So you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs there. Questions you got for us or even a topic you want covered, we're happy to hear from you. Coming up next though, we're gonna keep doing this work. We're gonna keep talking about healthy relationships and attachment. So uh, stick around, lots to learn about ourselves, right? You listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and Radio.com. Thank you, Astroglide. Those DMs are brought to you by Astroglide. Lubes and lotions for everyone. We'll be back. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, we're back. And uh, before we took that DM break, we were just talking about the fact that every human on this planet is embedded in a multitude of relationships. And you can look at them like those nesting dolls or circles within circles within circles. That inner circle is maybe our closest relationships with our friends, family members, loved ones, but then we're also in a relationship with culture, right? Or different communities. And we have to consider the health of those different worlds that we're having relationships with. Do they help reinforce and strengthen our sense of self-worth and self-esteem or not, right? Um, but we were really placing all this just in the context of what's going on in our relational world because I'm working with far too many people 
that are in relationships where they are with a partner that is either unwilling or unable to provide secure attachment, but they're, they're blaming themselves for not ever feeling good and maybe calling themselves needy or codependent or clingy when what they're seeking is healthy needs and drives, that we need closeness and presence and reliability and responsiveness from humans and other people. We 100% need that. Now that's not to say that sometimes your expectations aren't too much. We do need to keep that in check, but I don't want us to be shaming healthy drives because maybe you're with a partner who wants something casual. If you want a secure attached relationship, that they become where you want them to be a primary figure, that has to be something you both commit to, where we commit to making our relationship the priority. We commit to all of those key terms that I keep repeating over and over so they're burned into your brains. So you, if someone wants something more casual and you want something more attached, it will be a relationship of frustration for both of you. Be honest about the kind of relationship you're looking for. If you're looking for something serious and you want seriousness, own that. Now you might be with someone who wants that, but due to their own early trauma, they're a little too anxious or they're avoidant, AKA insecurely attached. And if they're willing to do the work, you stick around. But if they're not, it's going to be a very unhealthy relationship for both of you. If they're avoidant, you'll want more and they're gonna be constantly leaning out and running away from your attempt to be present and connect or vice versa. When you're trying to just live your life and at times, understandably, you're focused on other things or you're not as available within an appropriate way, um, they're gonna be leaning in and wanting more and feeling dysregulated and you're gonna be thinking that they're being clingy. It really is about finding a partner where our nervous systems align and where we want the same thing within reason because there's always gonna be some work to do. But ideally, you try to find someone, if you want, again, like I said, a primary attached, healthy relationship, someone who wants that as well and says, yeah, I want a lot of closeness and reliability and responsiveness and consistency, right? But if not, we gotta be honest about that and say, you know what, we're in two different places and that's okay. We were talking about regular con connecting. That's important for maintenance of that, openly communicating. Uh, connecting physically, appreciating other people's perspectives. So what I do with some of the couples I work with, if they're both on the same page or they're like, we want a truly attached, committed, primary relationship, right? And there's no outstanding mental health issues and there's no outstanding addiction issues that might get in the way. And we don't have to worry about dealing with any forms of abuse because again, abuse is a deal breaker. The relationship is put on pause. We separate and each individual goes and works on themselves. I do not do couples or marital therapy with a relationship where someone's being abusive. We, we pause, separate, and we work on them resolving that abuse. And until it's resolved, there's no relationship. But let's say they have all that in place. And they're like, hey, it's just that we've drifted, or we feel a little disconnected, or there's been a little bit too much I, 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 and not enough we and us. Because remember, a truly healthy, secure, attached, primary relationship, people start thinking in terms of we and us. How does, how does what we're doing impact our relationship? Each partner realizes everything they say and do shapes and impacts the partner's mental health and the relationship, right? So then I give them a prescribed structure. And I say, bring this structure in. Make this your primary like relational um, metric of sorts, right? 
And I look at their willingness and ability to do this, and we look at where the resistance is and what that's about. But the first thing I tell them is, dun dun dun, dun transitions. We have to honor relationally all transitions, and that's going to bed, waking up, leaving the house, and entering. All of those four touchstones should always be really um, ritualized with some form of eye contact and touch. Hey, honey, I'm home. They look at each other, they kiss. Honey, I'm leaving. They kiss and they exit. Same thing with going to bed and waking up. That's how we start to build in that 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 attachment. That attachment system is strengthened by that. I'm, I'm trying to not get too intellectual with this. Um, couples that I tell them that they should start building that in and they have resistance to that. We want to look at what's that resistance about that that's overwhelming. And there's a little bit of some intimacy phobia, or is it just that, wow, that is a real, truly seriously attached relationship. And I actually, it turns out I don't want that. I want something more casual. Good to know. The other thing is I tell them to do what we call daily acts. That means every single day, each partner does something for the other that falls under the rubric of romance, sexual eroticism. They might not notice. That's okay. They're not going to notice it every single day when you do it. First, you're doing it for yourself to start being a more securely attached person, right? To make it more accessible, to make it more familiar, and it will start to have an impact. So what does that, what could that look like? We talked about this on another show. Leave a note, send a message, buy them something, say something, share something, a picture, a song. But every day, in some way, connect to them romantically, affectionately, sensually, or erotically, something that falls under that. We want to make that more primary. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to keep talking about some of these steps to get back to a more secure relationship. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Lady Gaga's jazz and piano Las Vegas residency returns to Park MGM October 14th through the 31st. Go to wearechannelq.com for your chance to win two tickets, a hotel stay at Park MGM, round trip airfare for two, plus $500 in spending money. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Don't miss Lady Gaga's jazz and piano residency shows, Las Vegas. We'll be right back with more Loveline. All right, we're back, and I'm giving you all a little bit of a crash course in uh, how to develop a securely attached relationship 101. And before the break, I was just saying that um, it's okay when we do different exercises or homework assignments. It's not just do them to do them. There's no meaning or value in that. Everything's diagnostic. How easy was it? Why? What was really hard for you? What can we learn about that? What had a lot of resistance? What did you really maybe not want to do? Or what didn't feel honest or real? What can we learn from that? So failures are just as clarifying diagnostic as successes. We do these things to learn more about ourselves and our relationship. So I was saying, number one, transitions. You honor transitions. Going to bed, waking up, leaving the house and coming in. Whoever's the one doing it, we initiate some form of touch and eye contact. We want that touchstone. We want to have that kind of stuff familiar. If you're not able or you can't imagine doing that, ask yourself why. Is it because my relationship has lost romance and accessibility and that is too far of a leap? Wow, we got a lot of work to do. Is it because that's not honest, that's more loving and close than I really want to be? Good to know. Maybe it's time to exit the relationship or really get into some couples work. Or was that really simple and easy? Great, we move on to the next step. Daily acts, every single day. You do something for your partner that falls under the rubric of something that was romantic or sensual or erotic or sexual every day. Why? Because relationships and romance are a verb. They're an action. It's something we have to always be doing. We're always staying in those stages of courtship. We don't get someone. We're divorced. I'm sorry. We don't get someone. We're married. We live together. We're committed. And then all's done. We stay in this cycle. So every day you should get and this. That's why that's assignments daily forever. Get familiar doing that. Keep that ball in the air. Keep that resource in play. Keep ourselves connected, right? Also date night. 
every single week. We've talked about this to nauseum every, every week. You have to be able to carve out at least one date night or date day. One, one space in your busy week where it's just about the two of you. You're not talking about conflictual topics or the kids or work. It's just about going out and having fun and being playful. That's the key word, fun and playful. It's to remind ourselves that we have access to that. It's to bring ourselves back to earlier days. It's to be able to associate fun and playfulness with each other. If you can't imagine doing that or don't want to do that, Ask yourself why. That's also important in diagnostic. Is it that you're not in love anymore? Is it that there's just so many, so much hurt feeling that you can't even imagine jumping over and landing in such a playful place? It helps you realize where the issues are and what the work might be. What is that about? Why do you not want to do that? <clears throat> also, you should be saying I love you every single day. Again, we're making this non-sexual as well. Every single day, you should be saying I love you to your friends and family members that you love. Get familiar and comfortable saying that and bringing that in, but especially to your romantic partner. And if you can't do that or won't do that, again, ask yourself why. There's something so powerful in our willingness or our lack of willingness to do these things or the lack of honesty in doing these things. But these are the goals. These are the bare minimum. Really think about that. These are the bare minimum because then it gets bigger. Another rule I give to all my couples is you can't ever reject someone's bid for your attention. When a partner turns to us to connect with us, we want to always be available, not hold on, I'm on my phone. We're not being preoccupied or distracted and ignoring them by talking to them or hearing them while we're on our phones. We put our phone down and we turn to them or we say, hey, give me one second and then I'll be with you. I want to really be present to what you're saying. You finish up what you're doing and then you turn to them. But that's like bare minimum, kindness and respect. Your primary partner, we use that word for a reason. It's primary in attachment. It has to be. We have to know that you're the secure base from which I go out into the world and tackle everything. We have to know that you're my safe haven that I come back to after being out in that rough world. We all need that. We all need that safe base to launch from and that safe haven to return to. And if it's not in a primary attachment figure in the romantic style, we better be working on having really securely attached friendships then. Someone we feel like is in this with us and has our back and is in our corner. But in our romantic relationships, it needs to be our primary partner. If you don't have the kind of relationship where it's a safe space to go off and go out into the world, you're not going to be confident at work or whatever else you're doing. And if you don't feel like you have a safe partner to come home to, you're not going to feel safe also while you're out there. And so we have to work on building that. How do we make our relationship that kind of resource? You know, it hurts my heart when I hear people talk about their partners poorly. Make your partner the one person you would never talk about negatively. Work on building the kind of loving relationship where you would never harshly talk about your partner in public, where your partner knows that their name ever comes up, that you'd always defend them. Build that kind of relationship. And if you're saying, I can't do that or I don't want to do that, ask yourself why. Why are you in a relationship with someone where you would be okay talking about them poorly to other people? Why are you and what kind of relationship do you have if your partner's name came up and you, and they, and you know that they wouldn't have your back or you wouldn't have their back? Why are you making it okay to be in a relationship with someone who you would name call? I would never call names or talk harshly to my partner ever because we've decided to have an adult mature attached relationship where we said name calling is not acceptable. We're, this is at least, if not all of our relationships, one space where there will never be abuse. Make it unokay 
to be name calling and abusive in the relationship you're in. Make it unokay for your relationship to be treated as anything other than fragile that deserves ongoing kindness and respect. And if you don't have that, work on getting to that, work on creating that, work on that mutuality. You both have to be on that same page because it has been normalized. I see too many blogs and Facebook pages and memes that are normalizing hating our partners or calling them names or not enjoying time with them. That's not what this is about. And in fact, it erodes that and traumatizes our attachment system because we're supposed to be able to expect that and seek that somewhere. And usually it's with our primary relational romantic partner. And if we don't have that, we have bigger problems, right? Because the world's harsh enough out there. But this has to be one person, one space where we can expect that and seek that, you know? So let all of this, again, bring up what, what, what work needs to be done in your relationship. If you have this, great. If you don't have this, there's your vision of what to work towards. If you don't want that, or you can't imagine that, well, then you have work to do or you're in the wrong relationship, right? Stark reality when we bring up these topics. Uh, all right, when we come back, we're going to finish unpacking all this. So uh, spend a little time in that music break, get your dance on, but also process some of this. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Alrighty, we're back. And uh, before the break, I was really kind of driving home this whole idea that our primary relationship, right, our romantic partner should be this really beautifully healing space, right? And I was kind of throwing out a little bit of a structure, a little bit of a plan to both help you build the kind of relationship you want structurally that can then lead to having or keeping a lot of those romantic feelings alive but then also giving you some exercises within that structure to really face yourself and to realize why would I not wanna do that? Why would I not wanna offer that? Why would I not that want that kind of relationship? What am I learning about myself or my partner? And then what do I wanna do about that? Is it time to go? Is it time to get into some couples work? Is it time for me to just work on prioritizing them? Like there's so much, there's so much material in that. But here's a couple other things I wanna throw at you. Um, what are the other things you wanna think about? Um, compliments. Do you give your partner compliments or are you only really good at criticizing? Because a lot of people are really good at catching their partner doing something upsetting or negative and calling it out. Also get really good catching them doing something that makes you smile and telling them or having them do something that you have gratitude for and expressing that. Like get as good at catching the things you are thankful for and complimenting them as you are at the criticisms and learn to maybe let those criticisms go but we need to flip that. We're really good at seeing the bad. We're not so great at seeing the good or calling it out. Work on that. Maybe you need to do, if you're in a really tough space, a daily gratitude list, privately or openly, as to what you are what you have gratitude for within your relationship. We need to know that, and you need to feel that. You need to live from that. What else? Well, public affection. Are you affectionate? If not, why? What is that about? There's something powerful about public affection that gives meaning that it does maybe have when we're doing it at home. The public display is, is a really, it's a confidence builder. It can feel really good to be seen in that way. Cuddling, cuddling as much as possible, full body touch. Do you cuddle? If not, start every day. And if you're not willing to, again, there's that work reflected back. What is that about? Where's my work in that? What is my resistance? Here's another zinger. When's the last time you passionately kissed your partner for no reason at all. You should be building that back in. Passionate kissing is passion. Passion is about feeling great. 
Passion is about a return to romance. Passion is keeping the romance alive. Why do you not want to passionately kiss your partner? Ask yourself why. And then ask yourself, what do I think about that answer? What do I want to do about that? Try to build that back in. And if you're not willing to, ask yourself about that. Also, sexual variety. Finding out who your partner is and who you are sexually and trying to really bring that back and prioritize that. See, here's the thing. All of these little assignments and ideas are about what it should look like, what we want to normalize. But again, it also helps us learn where our work is. Because I will prescribe these to some couples if they're in a safe, non-abusive relationship. Because again, if they're in an abusive, problematic relationship, we work on resolving that immediately or ending the relationship. But if they're a healthy, secure couple and they care and respect each other, then I bring these in, not just for them to do them to do them, to show them what it should look like, to show them what it should feel like every day, but also to look at where their resistance is. Because it helps elicit other issues that maybe need to be discussed. So is it a Band-Aid? Yes and no. Is it a diagnostic tool? 100%. Does it speak to and help us really clarify what, a, what some of the other work is? 100%. I will often push clients and give them homework assignments that help them or force them to confront and face things that they've been trying to avoid or didn't want to have to discuss because this brings them to the surface. When your partner cuddles you, if you push back, why? If your partner tries to kiss, kiss you passionately and you turn them down, why? If I tell you to go home and start doing that and you can or won't, why? If you can't find time to do the date night, what's that about? Work is your priority, not your relationship. We have work to do on that. People in relationships come before work, sorry. Why is your partner not a priority? The daily acts, why are you not willing to do that? See, all of this is not just about doing, it's also about learning. And a lot of couples need to learn about themselves. They need to have those difficult conversations. I tell you, I'll sit down every couple months or every year and say, how's this been going? What do we need to change? What do we need to work on? And this is a way to kind of get us closer to that, you know? Because I think a lot of us have had really bad relationships normalized. And so we kind of hang in there thinking there's nothing else or we can't expect for more. Um, but there is, and there should be, because our mental health is tied to our relational health. Please don't think that you can have a toxic, unhealthy relationship, but just be out there flourishing in the world as though all is well. It doesn't work like that. They're all interconnected. You know? And like I said, we're, we're, we're in multiple ongoing relationships that are even outside of our social relationships. What communities are we a part of, right? What culturally are we a part of? And how do those communities and that culture and the social media and media we look at, how does that align with our self-esteem and who we are and how we want to be, right? What messages does that give us? Because that matters too. It's not just our direct partner. Our, our, our mental health is also about our relationship to those larger communities and systems and institutions. So you got to think about that as well. All right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to glide into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, we got answers. Topic you want covered or something you want us to drop deeper into, let us know. And uh, that's courtesy of Astroglide, lotions and lube for everybody. Lube is a really great thing to add to your sex life, solo and partnered. Helps amp up the arousal and the pleasure. And uh, past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, the name of the show, and click on it. And there's past episodes. You can binge, post, and share. Taking a little break. We'll be back. Stick around, y'all. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, y'all, we're back, and now it's time to glide into those DMs. Gliding into the DMs. DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Got a question or topic? Drop it in there. This one's a little bit long, so hang in there with me. Wow, it's really long. All right, I'll try to chop it down a little bit. Hey, Dr. Chris, one of my best friends moved to Australia years ago. They established a life with someone. They have two kids. Life looks idyllic. Anyway, she's studying to become a nurse. Had to put it off, though, when she had her second child, but she's now back in the program. I posted something on my story about the importance of getting vaccinated, shared it on my IG page, nothing controversial, just about trusting health professionals and that getting the vaccine isn't just about you. I never share stuff like that, but right now in my province in Canada where I live, many young people aren't getting it and our numbers are starting to go up again and I'm frustrated. Anyway, she saw this right off the bat message me saying that health, health professionals are the last people she would trust, sent me a bunch of links on anti-vax articles and how much of the truth that the media is hiding. Oof. She says she's not anti-vax, but believes that there's a lot out there not being reported. I stopped replying to her as I don't like confrontation and I do believe what I'm doing is right, but I don't want to argue with someone who is a friend. I guess I'm just curious what I should do. Double down on what I think or just let it be and let her live her life. She complains that her university is not letting her come back until she gets vaccinated. So I get her frustration, but I think she's getting all sucked into the crap she's hearing online. I think she is too. Um, you're not responsible for her journey, right? And she has a lot to work through. And I agree with you. Maybe her, I don't know why she's not willing to get vaccinated. That's kind of distressing to me because as a healthcare professional, she most likely would be watching unvaccinated people literally die. Uh, so that's bizarre to me. And I appreciate, though, that her inability to get into school because of that might be creating some issues. But you keep posting what you're posting because you are saving lives. People do need to get vaccinated. And the vaccination issue is 100% absolutely not just about us. It's about other people. What we do impacts other people. And our willingness to get vaccinated or not impacts other people. We can spread the virus. And I'm disappointed in her because every healthcare professional I know, every public healthcare professional I know is so concerned. If you even turn on the news for two seconds, you see a lot of healthcare professionals stressed, crying, frustrated, broken heart. Hospitals are overloaded. We don't have a place to put people. People are dying alone because it's unsafe even while dying from COVID to see their loved ones. Get it together, people. Seriously, stop being so self-centered. The vaccination is safe. We're doing it to protect other people. If you don't care about your own life, that's on you, but care about others. So to the person who wrote this question, keep posting. You do not need to explain or defend yourself. I would actually not defend or explain yourself. People that want to pick a fight want to fight. They are not generally looking to learn. Someone who wants to learn will ask calm, open questions. She's not doing that. So there's nothing there. I don't step into battles. I don't battle anymore. I answer questions. I'll say to someone, if you don't like something I'm saying or posting, if you have a question, I'll maybe answer it if I have the energy, but otherwise that's okay. Keep swiping. You don't need to like my post. My page isn't for everyone. You know what I mean? Go, go. You know what I mean? Like uh, you can't, you, you have to draw people in based on promotion. You know what I mean? Doing, doing what you do. But having said all of that, you do have to learn how to deal with confrontation. 
It can't just be whenever someone upsets me or lets me down or doesn't agree with me, I just cut and run or back away, you know? Um, so I, I would like you to use some of your conflicts with people as an opportunity to practice, practice the concept of we can disagree and still be friends, right? Um, we don't need to end friendships when we don't agree because that most likely mean you're going to end a lot of friendships. So learn how to both stand up for yourself, right? Post what makes sense to you, but also let people kind of be where they are, you know? So it's a little bit of both, but I think it's an important question. And more of this kind of stuff to come. This whole anti-vaccine thing is quite wild. Um, a lot of relationships ruined, a lot of lives lost, I guess is more important, right? Um, anywho, that is our show. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always open, always interested to hear from you. You know, questions, topics you want covered. Past episodes of Loveline are always over at wearechannelq.com. So head, head on over there. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. All the good stuff is over there. You can check out some other shows while you're there. We'll be back tomorrow night, always dropping some good gems on you. You know what I mean? Because we got work to do, y'all. We got to work on ourselves. We impact other people, you know? Far too many people are kind of running around on autopilot, unconsciously reenacting the same trauma on themselves and other people. Anywho, that's what we're there for. So uh, spend the rest of your night rooted in self-care. Tons and tons of joy and pleasure. Get some rest. As always, thanks for hanging out, y'all. And we will see you tomorrow night. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs>